Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat where we will look back on Saturday's one all draw at Rotherham United. Joining me today is our football editor Chris Harrington. Hi Chris. Hello Stu. And a very warm welcome to our special guest Danny Salmon. Hi Danny. Hi Stu, how are you doing? Yeah good, thanks. Nice to have you back. Thank you. Uh, Chris, start with you if you may. Mm-hmm. You were up at Rotherham on Saturday. Yeah. Um, a point gained or two dropped for Argyle? Yeah, definitely two points dropped, I'm afraid. Um, you know, the way the game went and the uh, the circumstances it was in, uh, played in, uh, Rotherham without their top scorer, Kiefer Moore, who's got 13 goals all season. And, um, you know, looking at Rotherham on Saturday and talking to a few people after the game, you know, they felt that Rotherham really miss him. He's their, he's their main goal threat. He's a physical presence. He's a, he's a key player for them this season. So for, for Rotherham to be without them, you could see they, they, they didn't have too much threat going forward apart from Ryan Williams, the, uh, the lively winger on the left of midfield. Uh, and then obviously Argyle got to half-time, nil-nil, which, you know, away from home, I never think it's a bad situation for, for any team to be in, uh, particularly Argyle with the way they play. Uh, Richard Wood got sent off in the 50th minute, the Rotherham captain, uh, stupid foul, you know, inside Argyle half when you're on a yellow card. You don't need to be making tackles like that. And then Argyle had, you know, the rest of the game against 10 men. And they were caught between two stalls, I think. You know, when Argyle are away from home, they like to sit in, defend, keep shape, play on the break. But in this occasion, Rotherham went down to 10 men. They left David Ball up front on their own. They put the two banks of four. They sat back and were, you know, happy to to keep their shape. And and Argyle, I, I think weren't sure what to do, whether to stick to the game plan of trying to keep their shape, but that's very difficult against a team that are doing the same thing, or whether to try and go forward and, and how much they commit to going forward. And um, they didn't make a great fist of it until the last 10 minutes or so. Uh, Lionel Ainsworth and Greg Wilde came on, two pacey wingers. It got Argyle up the pitch, got Argyle running at the Rotherham defence. They created a couple of opportunities, and then Ryan Edwards scored with a, uh, Ryan Edwards, Ryan Taylor scored with a Lovely glancing header at a near post, and you think, well, that's it, job done, really. You should be able to see the game out from there. One nil up um, against 10 men. They conceded too many corners and free kicks for my liking against 10 men opposition. You, you shouldn't be having to defend that deep in your own box and concede corners and free kicks. And it, it came back to uh, to bite them, you know, in the third minute stoppage time. It was a pinball moment. I mean, you know, those of you that have seen the, seen the highlights, I think Argyle could have cleared it two or three times. They didn't. The ball ricocheted around. And uh, Chemi Ajayza fired at home. And what would have been, before the game, a good result, 1-1 draw. I think most people would have taken a 1-1 draw. You know, you come away from the New York Stadium feeling like it was a defeat. Yeah. Two points dropped for you, Danny. Yeah, I mean, just reiterating what Chris said, it's so important that you take advantage of the extra man. And there are ways that you can do that tactically. And I think that sometimes, because we set up our stall a certain way, Sometimes it's very difficult to change the way you're playing. 
Um, and it's a difficult situation if you're not used to doing that. Is it a mentality thing, Danny? That was the it, thing it, that was because there, there, there's some experienced players in that. Yeah, that, 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 that's what disappoints me because yeah. you don't need to drop in as wide players and make a five or a six defensively. Um, you know, I, I would I would have changed it and I would have gone three at the back and probably changed it a little bit, played the two up front, you know, or, or played the, the three in midfield a little bit further up and, and gave that that freedom. And the worst thing for me is exactly what Chris just said. Giving away stupid free kicks and corners, unnecessarily, in situations where you're playing against 10 men, that's their opportunity to score a goal. And the goal itself was debacle. It was, it was terrible. Um, so, you know, not to repeat what Chris said, I agree with what Chris said, um, it was a disappointing result at the end of the day. You would have taken it, but after going one up and the way they were playing, I think it's two points definitely dropped for us. Yeah. Big opportunity. And as you said, Chris, they are players out. They hadn't won at home for two months as well, Rotherham. They were really there for the taking, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, Rotherham, like a lot of teams in the division, seem to be better away from home than at home. Um, and, yeah, it was... A, a draw beforehand would have, you know, I think most people would have taken that. You know, Rotherham have got some some decent players. There's no no doubt in that. But I didn't think they carried much attacking threat against Argyle on Saturday. And um, it was a it was a poor game. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, Argyle were poor. Rotherham were poor. Um, it deserved to finish nil nil, to be honest. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like I said, you know, these opportunities when you're at, towards the bottom of the table don't come that often. Mm. And if you don't take those chances when they come your way you might rue them at the end of the season. Hopefully we won't, but I, I, I still think that, you know, when you get opportunities when you're struggling to pick up three points, you've got to try and take them. And um, I think that that's definitely one that we might look back on and think, you know, that, that's it, been disappointing. It's funny because the previous Saturday, it, when it swings and roundabouts, yeah, the previous Saturday against Gillingham, it looks like it's going to be a 1-1 draw uh, against Gillingham. And then Timani Diagaraga pops up with a 90th minute winner. And everyone goes away thinking, oh, that's two really important points we've picked up there in the last, you know, last minute. And that, those could be two really important points coming into the season. And then the next Saturday, we go to Rotherham, and virtually the same thing happens in reverse. And we're going away thinking, well, that could be two points that we could really, well, could the, be really the, costly that we the, haven't got. Yeah, the, you know? the difference is, Diagaraga's gamble to get in and around the box to try and nick a goal. Hmm. Whereas we've given away a, a, a set piece... And there's like 20 players kicking the ball around like pinball and ends up in somebody's feet and back of the net. Mm. There's a difference. We were trying to be positive. Dio Garaga doesn't often get that forward. And he got himself on the edge of the box. Gay played it one-two with himself, <laughs> as we saw. Yes. <laughs> and scored a goal. So mm. there is a difference there. But you're right. You know, you get ups and downs and, at this level. And I think it won't be the first or the last. So. No. No, that's right. We had a comment from uh, Gary Palmer saying he would have settled for a point on Saturday, but why is it when Argyle lose a player at home, they go on to lose 3 or 4-0, whereas Rotherham were able to grab a point? Derek Adams has to do tactic has to do better tactically to win these games, meaning he has to go on the offensive from the moment we're a man up. That kind of reiterates... Well, well what, that, that's, that's the problem, you see. When you're set and play a certain way, when you go down, to, uh, or the opposition goes down to 10 men, or you're down one goal, it's very difficult to suddenly change your mentality because the wide players tuck in, the two holding midfield players drop deep and they keep doing that. And it's very difficult to suddenly, unless you know you train it on a training pitch day in, day out, or the manager changes the system, it's very difficult to suddenly change the way you play automatically. And the level of, and no disrespect to our players, maybe a higher level and better quality of players may be able to do that on the pitch. But we need their guidance. And I think that to change from being defensive and set 
to suddenly going, hang on a minute, we're, we're the opposition of that in 10 minutes, or we're one goal down, let's change the way we play. It is difficult, it's not that easy, because you've got your game plan, you've got your shape, and you've trained every all week doing that, but we have to find a way of doing that, because we definitely have to be more offensive when we get ourselves in those situations, and it's happened more than once. But, Gary, Gary makes the point, um, why is it when Argyle lose a player at home, they go on to lose 3 or 4-0? And that, that's a point that I actually thought about when I was driving home in the car on Saturday night. Um, because I can think of the games against uh, Scunthorpe and, and Oxford where Argyle had players sent off and they went on to lose, lost 4-0. And I think the answer to that, Gary, is that when Argyle have been in those games at 1-0, 2-0, Derek Adams has made quite positive attacking substitutions. He's thrown on wingers, he's thrown on attacking players to try and retrieve the game. And... Uh, some people w would say, well, you know, two 0 down with ten men, you know, you just, you know, take your medicine and, and, yeah. and get on with it and get out with a two 0 defeat. He, in those particular two games, you know, at two 0 down, was throwing attacking players on to try and retrieve it, and Argyle ended up losing four 0 on both occasions. Rotherham on Saturday took first one of the first things they did was, was took one of their two strikers off, put a centre midfielder Lee Frecklington in, who's an experienced midfield player, and they went with the two banks of four and the one up front. So I think the answer, Gary, is is that, that the Rotherham were sort of would have been quite happy to sort of get that out as nil nil as, and as wait, a nil and waiting as a nil, for, for as a, a set nil, piece and, yeah. and, and we're going for a nil nil. Whereas Argyle in those particular two games that I'm thinking of, mm. I think Argyle almost went gung ho with ten men, particularly the Scunthorpe game. If anyone remembers that, I, I mean, agree with you with the Scunthorpe you, game. You know they were yeah. they were wide open at two nil down with ten mm. men, and, and Scunthorpe could have won five six seven nil. So. I think that's I think yeah. that's the answer. It's, but it's worth remembering as well that in those situations, our goal were two goals down, as you say. Whereas mm. on Saturday, of course, it was mm. nil nil. Wobbly yeah. still had a point. Yeah, to, but, it, but to against Scunthorpe, you see, we went one nil down. We were on top, mm. and we played the rest of the first half on top. We came out the second half against Scunthorpe, and the first fifteen minutes, they never got out of their half, mm. and we had opportunities, but they went straight down the other end and scored the second goal. That's when it went. So I'm glad that we did that. I'm glad that we went to try and win the football match at home. So that there are mitigating. So, but the one thing that did, does happen in those games is that we leave ourselves physically with some of the some of the decision making about back four or back three. Bad. I mean, I remember when no disrespect to Gary Miller. Gary Miller came on in the second one, I think, against Oxford, and everything was happening down his side. I mean, he was caught out of position so many times. Um, you know, you don't have to be that weak defensively just because you've gone down to 10 men. That I don't get. So that's disappointing, but at least those two games we tried to get back into the game, um, and, but we ended up playing, paying the price for it. Yeah, Chris, we saw recently Argyle going up to Bradford in the mm. Cup and being a bit more expansive yep. and taking the game to Bradford. Mm. Were you perhaps a little bit surprised, certainly when, when Rotherham went down to 10 men, that Argyle didn't? Or were not a bit more adventurous. I, I suppose in in the cup tie against Bradford, it's a cup tie. You know, it's a one-off game, so there isn't that pressure of league points at stake. It's not the you know, so you you can play more expansively. I mean, they played some really good stuff at Bradford, um, but they lost three-one. Mm. And then two or three weeks beforehand, they went to Bradford, played with a everyone behind the ball, Jake Jervis up front, defended for their lives, and they won one-nil. Yeah. So that that's. That's your, your dilemma, isn't it? You know, they went up to Bradford and defended and got a win, and they went to Bradford in the cup and attacked and got beaten 3 1. So yeah. that's. But let's not forget, before they scored, we could have had two or three goals. Oh, yeah. And I think that mm. that's the difference. If, we had, if Jake Jervis had scored a couple of those goals, mm. which I think he should have done, mm. 
people would have gone, there you go. You mm. go away from home, you mm. play more attacking, mm. and you create opportunity yeah. scores. Now, we should have scored. Yeah. No, so no there, there's, the, there's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay saying we've defended but won and we've attacked and we've lost. Don't look at attacking as a negative because we could have gone in Two two goals up before they even scored. Jake, you know you're right, Danny. Danny, should, um, Jake Jervis should have had yeah. two goals in that and, cup tie, and, and and goals change games as we know. Yeah. And then the and narrative that, that, of that should that should not scare Derek Adams. Mm. That sort of thing, because it just goes to prove on any other day. I remember well. I think when Scunthorpe, every time they seem to attack, they scored. That happens, and that's what could have happened at Bradford with us in the cup. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was a positive for me, and I think that he's got. I think they've got to remember that. Yeah. It's, it brings us nicely on to the next point, actually, because I was going to. Mentioned about the flair players mm. that played on, on Saturday. Chris, mm. I was looking at your match ratings after the game. Yeah. I think you gave Kerry a five, Grant yeah. a four, yeah. and Jervis a four. Yeah, some of these players have got to start taking responsibility. You can yeah. question Derek Adams for his negative tactics all mm. you like, but if the players aren't performing, they have to shoulder some of the blame, don't they? Yeah, uh, it is frustrating because Joel Grant, I thought um, against Gillingham, had a good game. Yeah, he did. Played well. I thought that was one of his best games he's had mm. for Argyle. Scored a goal and, and, and looked decent and just didn't get in the game on on, on Saturday. Um, same with Jake Jervis, who's had some decent games playing up front recently, you know. And you know Jake's you know done well for Argyle over the years, but neither of them contributed. Um, I don't think any of the midfield really excelled apart from uh, Dia Garaba. I thought he was useful on the ball. You know, Kerry had a fantastic spell in October um, and he won the League One Player of the Month. It hasn't been at the same. Heights recently, and you do rely, you know, Argyle do rely on him. And you know, if he can't come up with a bit of magic, a bit of creativity, a shot or a, a set piece, then they do struggle. And we've said this on on a number of occasions this season. So that they are inconsistent. It is frustrating. Well, um, I, I, Argyle going to need those players. Yeah. And you know, I I made the point in one of the pieces I did over the weekend that you, Lionel Lainsworth and Greg Wilde have been inconsistent as well. You know, and when they've had chances this season, I'm not sure they've ever really taken them. But they did do quite well when they came on at, at Rotherham on Saturday. And, and I'd be thinking at least one of them might get on the starting lineup against Oldham next Saturday because they came in, they came on the pitch, they had a positive, positive impact. So they got us going forward. Ainsworth had a chance, Wild had a chance. Ainsworth corner was headed home by Taylor. Um, I'd be thinking of getting at least one of them in. Although. You know, I'm not totally convinced that they've got the consistency that, that Grant and Jervis and yeah. Kerry are, you know, mm. aren't showing either. And that's the problem because then Derek Adams has the decision of well, who do I drop? Because mm. in the last home game, as you say, Joel Grant played very well. Yeah. He just doesn't know which player no. is going to play well, does I, he? I, I think no, playing over the years when you uh, and at different levels, the one the reason why at a lower level if the inconsistency is there is purely because that's why they're there. You know, if they were consistently playing well, if Jake yes, Jervis yeah. was scoring 15 goals every season, yeah. Carey was playing well week in, week out, I don't think they'd be playing League 1, League 2 football. No, and I think that's what you... But what all you can do with that inconsistency is be as consistent as you possibly can. And when players are playing well, you bring them in. And when players are not playing well, you give them a break and bring somebody else in that needs that little bit of fire, that little bit of, I need to prove myself. So, you know, it, yes... You know, I said earlier in the year that um, the players that he's brought in have got to now step up for Derek Adams and show why he brought them in in the first place. But you know, people say, oh, you know, Grant Carey's brilliant, and then he's, you know, Jake Jervis scores, and then he doesn't score for ten games, and then he scores three or four. That's why they've pl been playing Scottish and League One, League Two football, yeah. and you've got to accept that and hope. Well, you just hope that some of those players 
end up being consistent and then may end up leaving. But at least you're getting the best out of them when you've got them. And I think that, you know, uh, that's a, a, a reason. And we, sh we shouldn't expect a whole lot of consistency because those players are very few and far between at this level yeah. of football. We shouldn't be too surprised either. I mean, Joel Grant, for example, is a player who throughout his whole career is suffering from inconsistency. Yeah. So and, and that's why. Argyle, it's no, yeah. and no that's great why. surprise. Really. But again, like I said, we brought in Jack Jervis from nowhere. Uh, as such, and he did brilliant for two years, scoring goals-wise. But he has these bulk, bulk. He goes like ten games without, ten games with, plays well. Then you don't see him for a while. Yeah. That's when the good thing would be to bring in somebody else to maybe that will have a go, maybe two, three uh, games, and, and then bring them back in again. That's why I'm, I'm thinking Ainsworth. Mm. You know, straight swap on that on yeah. that side of the pitch. Yeah. Um, got the same sort of pace as Jervis. Obviously yeah. not the same sort of height, different type of players, but. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see mm. who he goes with. Uh, another player, Jan Songo, I noticed he's been out of the team in recent weeks. Mm. A couple of months ago, everyone was raving about him, mm. saying how well he was playing. So it's a bit of a surprise, certainly from the outside, to see him not in the team at the moment. I think it, it's, an, it's an attacking move. I mean, they've basically swapped Songo for David Fox. David Fox has played in the midfield holding role the last mm. two games he did against Gillingham. Uh, and he, he did exactly the same thing against Rotherham. And that has to be seen as an attacking move because David Fox isn't as good defensively and doesn't block shots and, and, and do, the, do the sort of dirty side that Jan Songo did. So the intention is, is for David Fox to get on the ball, obviously shield the, help shield the back four, but in a different way to Songo, but try and get Argyle on the, uh, on the attack. The problem was on Saturday that Argyle didn't get David Fox on the ball enough. And, um, you know, certainly in the closing stages, you probably could have done with Jan Songo. Um, Songo's presence, you know, as Rotherham was pushing forward, and I mean, the thing that that stuck in my mind, seeing Rotherham's equaliser, is that you think of all the goals, or you, you, if you've watched Argyle play this season, you'll know that when the ball goes in the box from a corner, six or seven times out of ten, Jan Songo's the one that's heading it clear. It's his job. He's like the header of the ball, and. I don't think Argyle would have conceded that goal if Jan Songo was in the box. He would have gone and won that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's easy to say that, but but yeah. but my hunch is is that Argyle wouldn't have conceded that goal with Jan Songo in the team. Yeah, it's funny because I, I watch a lot of the goals in League One and League Two, and there's quite a few goals exactly like that. Mm. That's what happens. The ball drops, everyone's panicking. It's last there's minute. no composure, yeah. um, and it just happens to fall to somebody, and he pokes it in the back of the net. And it drives me absolutely crazy. But that's what happens. People put loads of people in the box there's loads of chaos um, it was just a shame because we had opportunity to clear it but with a lack of composure um, we ended up getting stuck under our feet and and you know ball ends up in the back of the net yeah so was that a surprise then that last substitution seeing Fletcher come on for Taylor I think that no. Songo not coming on I, I think it, it, I was a bit surprised yes I mean I, I can see the the running down the clock idea um, but yeah I mean when you're conceding corners and free kicks, yeah, I, I, there, yeah I, I, I think Songo, like I say, easy with hindsight, but yeah, I think I'd have had Songo on for those last few minutes just to just because they were conceding. It just as a presence, corners. yeah, he's, he's defensive minded. Yeah. Just sit him in there. So but especially as you say he has that role from corners yeah. where he, he's the one that goes and attacks he, the ball. Yeah, I mean, he, would have known exactly he, what he role was. wins so many headers, yeah. defensive headers oh, from yeah. corners. It's um, against you know when when you see him, he, he is mainly the one that will be clearing mm. it in and around the box. So. Yeah, yeah. So moving on from Rotherham then, let's go back a couple of days to the game uh, last midweek against Manchester City in the FA Youth Cup. What an incredible night, Chris, for, for our goal. Yes, I mean, Danny and I were both there, yep. and apart from the fact it was a bit chilly, we both enjoyed it. Okay, Freezing. quite a lot of chilly. <laughs> you had gloves on. I had everything on. <laughs> <laughs> I had everything on. Um, 
Oh, it was a fantastic occasion, and you know, congratulations to uh, to Kevin Hodges and everyone involved in the academy setup. You know, from right the way down from the start, you know, the under nines all the way through, you can all feel part of of being involved in an amazing result. I mean, you know, to put it in context, you know, Manchester City, the the runners up in the FA Youth Cup for the last three years. I think everyone except they've got one of the best academies in world football, not not just English football, but world football. They they their team against Argyle had the um, two captains, England and Spain, from the FIFA Under-17 World Cup final in October. You know, uh, they had other internationals. The uh, Manchester City goalkeeper was England winning goalkeeper. They've got Spanish players. They've got all sorts of Argentinians. This, the Argentinians. They've got all sorts of this, that, and the other. They were, they are a strong team, and and for Argyle to to hold them to a draw after 120 minutes. Um, it was a bit like watching the uh, Argyle Liverpool FA Cup tight Anfield last season, where you know Argyle played four five one, and they said to Manchester City, "You're not going through the." I don't think they played the one up there. <laughs> <laughs> I think they played four six. <laughs> they, that was it. They said, "You're not coming through the middle of us," and City couldn't, you know, until the last ten minutes of the ninety when Mike Cooper came up and made a couple of uh, really saves. important saves, yeah. and then you've got to the penalty shootout, and Argyle are three one down, and you think, "Well, okay, you know." Uh, there's probably no way coming back there, and then they go on and win the penalty shoot out six five, and uh, yeah, the the lads looked as though they really enjoyed oh, that. They occasion. celebrated well, and who can blame them? Uh, I mean, yeah, it was absolutely. it was it, it was a great night, wasn't uh, it? It was. I I got to say, um, honestly, first and foremost, it was a great result, and it was a great occasion for the boys. As a spectacle of football, no, I mean, and I'm I'm, I'm getting my football coaching hat on and all that on. Um, we, we, as a player, as a player, and first, like I said, great result, and we defended brilliantly. Um, everybody did their job, and everybody did it well. But as, as a footballer, if I was at that age playing against Man City, which I'm not going to play that often, I think, at that level, I would like to express myself a little bit more on the field than we did. Because there were times when we just got the ball, had time and space, and we just hoofed it away, got given the ball and we started again. Our centre forward was playing five yards outside of his edge of his box. Now I get the reasons for it, don't get me wrong, but I think we I think this we got players that are better than that. I mean the two wingers caused them problems on the break quite a few times. And and I thought if we just allowed ourselves when we got the ball to just be have that little bit more composure and let him enjoy the occasion as well. Because during the occasion you know, great to win it in the end and they enjoyed that occasion but actually during the game I just felt that we had players that I felt could play a little bit better than that and weren't allowed to express themselves that's the negative side for me but the positive side is one we defended superbly well Coops when he was called upon had to make some great saves and the funny I know Cooper personally and his antics in the penalty shootout was so alien to him as a person you would not believe him standing when the first one they missed, he stood on the on his right hand post, gave the whole goal, and he's standing there. And I'm thinking, what are you doing, Coops? And then as he sort of went to take it, he's missed it on the left hand post. I, was, I thought, well, you wait till I see him, because it's not like him as a person. He's quite a quiet and shy person, a lovely lad. So, but uh, it worked, and I think that they came out, and uh, you know, it's great. And, and I'm I'm pleased for them. I'm pleased for them for the next round um, and hope that uh, you know you never know what can happen. No, so, that's right. there's, there's, there's a few players that we're already aware of. You mentioned Michael Cooper there and of course we saw him play in the first team up at Blackburn and yeah. he's been on the bench because of this goalkeeping crisis at Argyle and Cameron Sanks is a, another player that we've seen. Is there anyone else that really caught your eye in, 
in the youth run so far? Um, well, Ryan, Ryan Law, Law, the left yeah. back for me. Yeah. Um, I think he's he's a very modern left back. Um, yeah. You know, not afraid to get stuck in, um, but lots of energy, as you'd expect for a young lad. But you know, lots of energy to get forward. And uh, um, you know, when Argyle did go forward, um, which you know, it was on the left hand side, it was a lot down that left side through him. So I, I've seen all three of the Youth Cup games, um, and a, quite a contrast because they start off against Eastleigh. Yeah. And then they've played AFC, AFC Wimbledon, Wimbledon, and then they've played Man City. So you, I've seen them in in three very different. You know, one game they should win, one game nip and tuck, one game you know they should lose. So I, I've been impressed with like Ryan Law, um, and and Luke Jeffcott on the on the left had a really good game. Well, I thought well, I thought him and Law on that left hand side, they did cause Man City problems when they went forward, and, didn't they? And that, that's my point. I thought that the, even on the right side. Hmm. Uh, the young lad on the right side, the seven. Yeah, hmm. both of them. When they got possession of the ball, and we broke hmm. from defending. We suddenly broke. We we actually caused them problems, and and I felt we could have caused them more problems if we just had that little bit more intent going forward from 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 back to front. Um, but yes, the left hand side was pretty good. I think you. We didn't see enough of the good ball players, enough of them, because we defended so much. They had the ball for so long periods. That we couldn't show the midfield players how they can play and pass and move. But as just, much just as remember, you know, it is they, are it. That they are one of the best academy oh, I sides. That. No, no, I, you, I know you, that. you know, you can say they can do this, that, and the other. And Kevin Hodges made the point afterwards that the one thing that he was disappointed was when they got on the ball, they didn't use it better. Yeah. So I, I think there's a legitimate point there. But when you take it into context, yeah. you know, they were playing against, you know, it's like Argyle. Against Man City. Team, playing against Manchester City first team. It's yeah. not a dissimilar comparison. Yeah. And, and yeah. Man City, if you open up too much, you know, if Man City had scored the first goal, and this is always the argument, they could have gone on and lost that by, by a big, big score. So you have, you have to be, you know, if yeah. you're trying to get a result in a cup competition, even if it's the, uh, you know, whatever, and you're playing against a team that on paper is clearly a lot better than you, you can't afford to be too, you know. Let's let's go let's home. get on the ball. Let's go yeah. flood people forward because you're going to get picked off. You yeah, know they've I, got quality players. They have, but so. I, I I don't think any anybody like me would be saying. I mean, I played in teams that are very good defensively, but also very good attacking. Mm. When you haven't got the ball, you can still be strong. You can still be tight, and you mm. can still be defensively sound. Mm. But when you've got the ball, you've just got to be a little bit more composed mm. and have a plan going forward and I think when we broke in the first half mm. we got wide right wide left in particular the left we actually broke really well mm. but we stopped doing that after about half an hour 40 minutes and then the second half nothing but is that is all. that because Danny the game is nil nil and you start thinking well, crikey we're actually in this game you know we've got a chance be. of getting something it could be it's and and you know are you thinking well you know do we want to jeopardise? I mean, it, it, it's very much is your glass half full or half empty sort of approach, isn't it? Um, but I, and, and Man City as well, you know, they they have the right to make tactical changes themselves. Mm. They probably spotted spotted that danger mm. and counteracted by nullifying Manchester threat. City. The 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 the, dame, the thought that they had was that they passed the ball around too slowly. Too slow, definitely. They, they moved the ball too slowly and yep. gave us opportunity to get back, mm. defend in front of our back four, yeah, uh, stop them from actually getting penetration through the middle. That's what we, we did. But they allowed that to happen by goalkeeper gets it, plays it to them. The two centre halves, after counted one time, they passed the ball to each other about eight, ten times. Mm. Well, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're going to you know, have a team defensively like we are, you've got to actually move the ball quickly. And but if you don't... But they're going to do that in academy football. See, this is one of the issues with academy football. You know, we can have a longer debate about this, but 
that's the way they would play in that. Yeah. They wouldn't come up against many teams that play the way Argyle did against them. So it, it would have been a good learning experience for City because you know they, they if they're going to if yeah. those City players are going to go on and achieve things in the game, they're going to play in an awful lot of matches like that where they're the, the bigger team and are expected to break down the sport. But you can't. It, most teams now are well organised mm. all through world football, mm. and the only way you break them down is by a bit of magic. And you get an early goal mm. from a set piece or something, yeah. and then the opposition have to open up, yeah. or you move the ball quickly. But if you don't move the ball quickly, then teams have always got an opportunity to stop you doing what you do well. And yeah. I think we did that really well. And let's not forget as well, you know, City were not taking that game lightly, were they? You <laughs> know, they were talking about winning the competition mm. and mm. how desperate they were to win it after the disappointment of the last three years. They as didn't well, have so Phil Foden playing, but he played for for the, the first, first team. team. But yeah, other than that, they, debut, actually, they, they had a, they had a really strong side out. Yeah. yeah. Really strong, yeah, incredible result. Hmm. Uh, it does raise that question, though, of what happens next with these youngsters and breaking hmm. into the Argyle first team. I mean, you know, we know about the goalkeeping situation hmm. at the moment. Danny, you know Michael Cooper really well. Are you disappointed that he's not been given a chance rather than I am Kellerusko? I am because I thought when he did play, he played well. I can understand people's, you know, worry about experience, but again, I can only go from my experience and from when I played. People were given their opportunity because there was injuries and suspensions. And we were reluctant to do that because of the loan system. The loan system, you can go and get yourself an experienced goalkeeper. I would have given him his head. I would have turned around and said, this is your opportunity, son. Off you go. Um, that, that would have been me. And now, some people might have thought that's a bit reckless. It might be a bit too much for him. But that's me. I would have, I would have given it because I still think that he's got a lot to learn. But the only way he's going to learn it is to play. And I felt he was capable enough, even at the time I wrote about it, I felt if he was given his opportunity that I think he would do well for Argyle. But I can see why, you know, in the situation we are in, why he would look to get an experience, more experienced goalkeeper coming in. I understand that. But I would like to have seen him uh, play a little bit more. Danny, of course, let's not forget, made his debut as a 15-year-old, if, you, if you're mm. not aware of that. Danny was 15 when he made his debut for Brentford. So Danny is a good example of blooding young players into a first team. I'm going to disagree respectfully though no, with Danny <laughs> on, on this occasion. Um, I think Michael Cooper looks a really good prospect to me. He, I, I, I like his temperament. I like his ability. Um, I like the way he did his interview with us after the game at Blackburn. I think he has got a lot going for him. Um, but 45 minutes of first team football and then saying you're going to put him in... Um, into a team that's fighting to stay in League One. No, not for me. I'm going to go with experience if I can get it. Um, he's there if need be. If you know the way Argyle have gone this season, who's to say we won't get more injuries? And, and Kellerus was uh, on the receiving end of a tackle uh, from from Richard Wood in the first half, which he was yellow carded for, which ultimately led to his sending off in the second half. And if uh, Cooper was was needed in that game, haven't got a problem with that. But uh, I think to, to blood an 18-year-old in a team that's fighting for every single point, Danny's right, he's got lots to learn. What you don't want to do is him make a mistake. It costs Argyle valuable points, and that could have a negative effect on him. Now, I know we're going back to the half-glass, full-half-glass, empty approach, um, but if you're the manager of a team, and you're in League One, and you're near the bottom of the table, and you're in a results-driven business... I don't think many people in that position would gamble with an 18-year-old, and it would be a gamble. Well, it would, but again, this is the difference between me and, and Chris. I, I, 
I but put your, if you were the first team manager, no, I, I, would you do I, that? I personally would. Yeah. And I, I personally would because yeah. I wouldn't do it unless I felt it was good enough. And I'll give, go back. When I went to Millwall, hmm. we had a young goalkeeper that was 17, hmm. right? And he was absolutely superb. Not but, very tall. Yeah. He got given his opportunity. There was an experienced goalkeeper that was fit and healthy. But in training and what the manager saw, John Doherty at that time, he felt this lad. And he went in and he stayed for the next four or five years. Um, and, my, my, and that was in the championship. And then we got promotion to top flight and he carried on being the goalkeeper. Um, so it, it's, it's a difficult, I understand what Chris is saying. And I did what, 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 so would you go ahead of, with Michael Cooper ahead of Remy Matthews? No, no, I'm not saying that. Right now with the injuries that we had, with yeah. the first two, three goalkeepers, yeah. he was next in line. That's what he's there for. You know, he's well, a no, prospect. he's not. He's, not, that's well, what, he's, not, he's an apprentice. Well, he's not there well, necessarily I, to be in the first team. But again... Well, You've got three professionals. If, 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 I was, if, if, that, if that was the case with me, I'm a, I'm a schoolboy. Yes. I'm not even an apprentice. Yes, but did they have loans? Did clubs use the loans the way they do now? They had loads of players in their squad yeah. when not I loads. played. Loads. They had 35 pros then. Yeah. But I still played. Yeah. Because he felt I was the best option. And and, and that's that's fine. But surely the best option would be a Remy Matthews ahead of Michael well, Cooper at this stage of Michael Cooper's career. At this stage, if, if Remy Matthews then got injured, hmm. then what you're doing is you're, you're charging out finding a goalkeeper yeah. that may or may not be any good, who's not playing in their first team. Hmm. Well, you've got a live guy that you see every day in training, hmm. um, and you know what he's capable of doing. Well, give him his opportunity. How is he ever going to learn? If you're always going to wait for the perfect time at League One football or League Two football, when will that perfect time be? You, it, it, we're you not going to agree on But we're not. But no, <laughs> that's great. Because How many 18-year-old goalkeepers are around in League football? Well, not, I mean, not, maybe not that many, but, you know, I know see played for Real Madrid for, when he was 18. What I'm saying is that if, 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 I'm, if I've got kids signed in my first team, uh, in my first team squad, he's, or he's not an apprentice. He's an apprentice. He's still a player, Plymouth Argyle, that they rate because otherwise he wouldn't be there. Mm. And if he, if they feel he's good enough, mm. then he's good enough. And if there's injuries, then why not go with somebody that you know rather than somebody that you don't know? That's all I'm saying. And and, and again, we could have this argument all day about it. And the, and I'm not not an argument, a debate. A debate, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's a lie. But. I've been I've been around a long time watching football and I've seen youngsters given their opportunities and, and some have failed and they've been moved on and others that have, have, have taken their opportunity. You're only going to find out. You know, if you wait until he's 21, 22 and he's never played a first team game or played the odd one, you know, I think... You, if there's you're lots, eight, of, there's if, lots of those if around. You're seven, if you're 18, yeah. you're, a, you're a young man. Mm. You know, in League 1, League 2, if you don't get your opportunity in, those, in, those, in that league... I guess it boils down to two things, really. Is he going to be mentally strong enough to deal with any mistake he could potentially make? But, but, and we, no one knows but that. But no one knows that. that. That's, yeah. that's that, where no one knows that. I mean, when I made a mistake, I mean, I remember making the odd mistake, you know, back in 1941, but no. <laughs> um, and, but did it bother me? No, because I was naive. I just thought, get on with it. It's football. Do you know what I mean? And I had pros around me that say, well done, son, no problem, keep going. It wasn't an issue for me. Other people might not be mentally strong. He's a mentally strong character that I know. I don't know what he's going to react like if he let a simple goal in. Well, what, there's only one way we're going to find out. Yeah, and I guess the thing is, with all due respect, Danny, coming in and playing as you did and making your debut at fullback, it's perhaps not quite as key a role as, as being in goal. Do you know what I mean? Where if you, make if you do make a mistake, yeah. it's going to cost you a goal pretty you much. Know, but I've seen, I've seen players. I mean, Mark Fury, a Plymouth Argyle, 
He was the best player in training, couldn't play on a football field, too scared. Worst player on the pitch, he's so nervous you wouldn't believe. And he, was, he didn't want the ball. He, he ended up going out of football, went to some non-league side with David Kemp when he first left and deteriorated and went out. It, 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 you just find out about people, but you need to find out. You need to find out about yourself. Yeah. I, I think that 18, there's plenty of time to find out. I, about I agree with you, right. but the question was, with the injuries that we've had, would you have given him his head? I would say yes. Well, what, I, what I don't like about it is the fact that I've got to just bring in Keller Roos, who's a young goalkeeper himself. 20, 25. Really 25. 25 is he? Yeah, he's 25. And he's had three or four loan spells. He's been at Bristol Rovers, he's been at Rotherham, um, he was at Port Vale earlier this season. Um, 25 year old, 6 foot 5, with, I don't, I'm, I'm talking off the top of my head, but around 30, 40, 50 games. I, I, if I'm the manager and my, my job is dependent on getting results, uh, and in the modern world of football, if you don't get results, you, you're soon out of a job. I know where I'm going. I'm going with experience. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what what Adams would do if our goal perhaps had 10, 15 more points than what uh, on the table. You know, maybe then it would be. So don't get me wrong. I, I, I do think Michael Cooper has got a, a bundle of potential. He really has. He really has. And, and like I say, you know, if you need to call on him you know, because of circumstances in the game, I wouldn't be sat there worrying. That's for absolutely sure. I'm sure he's got the temperament. Danny knows him very well, um, and Danny speaks very highly of him. So, um, you know, that's good enough for me. Yeah, of course he's been away with England training squads as well, hasn't mm-hmm. he? So he's you know, obviously someone that's known within the whole football scene, really. Yeah. Uh, moving on then, Gary Palmer. Can you ask Danny what he remembers about his goal against the very good Nottingham Forest side in the early 90s? And how did he find himself in such an advanced <laughs> position? Now, we actually looked into this before we came on yes. air, didn't we? There was no goal against Nottingham Forest. No. But, uh, <laughs> you, did, you did score a few, though. Dan, yeah, uh, two against Hull, uh, one against Swindon. Um, I can't remember who was the other Newcastle. one. Newcastle away, yeah, the first goal there. Um, when I played fullback, I mean, if, if whenever I score goals, it was either from fullback areas or midfield areas. When I played second centre half, I was the one that had to stay back at all times, and that was it. But I, I was never one to be standing on the halfway line. Uh, no, uh, me, I find myself in and around a penalty area all the time. Um, Derek would have you know, you out the, by now. The, the lucky thing, managers knew that I could get up and down quick enough um, and I was mobile enough to do my defensive duties well, but I was an added attacking threat. I mean, the funny thing is, uh, many, many times in my career, with 10 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go, if we were 1 0 down or 1 you know, 1 1, I would be playing up front because all they'd do is play the ball over the top um, and I'd be chasing after everything. <laughs> so. Um, I, I find myself in forward positions quite often, so that, that's Two the reason. Two goals against Hull, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I was reading our uh, Andy, Andy <laughs> Riddle's book here, The Modern Era, and yeah. you reckon that you've got 12 goals in 15 seasons, and then you've got two in one game against Hull. What can I say? Give, put me in a position, <laughs> I'll score goals for you. But most of my career, I was, I was always, I mean, the managers like me to be the, you know, the last person at the back because yeah. of pace, and, and I think I didn't get forward enough playing in those positions, but... You know, I was in and around, but the two against Hull, I mean, I only played because Kevin Hodges stuck a screwdriver in his eye the night before, trying to fix a plug or something, um, and that's why I went <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I went to centre uh, midfield that day. Doesn't say a lot for Kevin's DIY. Service. No, I, I didn't say that to Kevin. I said, no, she left it for somebody else. But, um, so, yeah, so I didn't score many, but uh, a, a 25-yard volley against Swindon. So, you know, what can I say? Was that, <laughs> was that your favourite goal? No, no, actually, I, I, the better one, I mean, I scored a 30-yard volley against Doncaster away. Um, I remember for? For, for Brentford. Yeah. And um, what had happened, I mean, I don't even know how I got there because I was playing centre-half that day. 
and we were attacking and I just happened to find myself on the halfway line and centre forward went up, flicked it over the centre half's head and the ball bounced once and I just, I don't even know, I just smashed it and it went in the top left hand corner. Um, and even my manager at the time, John Dock and Frank McClintock, who was a Brentford manager and assistant manager at the time, said, what the hell were you doing up there? <laughs> they didn't say to me, well done. They just said, what the hell were you doing up there? So. It sounds a bit like that Anthony Kay goal for Port Vale against Yeovil in the FA Cup last week. I don't oh, know if yeah, you saw it. Yeah. He, he yeah. went forward. I don't know what he was doing up there. And the ball just dropped from him about 30 yeah. yards out. And yeah, yeah. Straight, well, yeah. The commentary actually said goal in the millennium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I scored two against Blackpool for Brentford at home. And the managers, managers uh, although the chairman came up to me and said, what were you doing that far up the pitch? <laughs> Not well done. <laughs> Not well done. Yeah. It's like Graham Taylor with um, Carlton Palmer, isn't it, that time when Carlton Palmer's got yeah. for England. He's like, what the hell is Carlton doing there? Yeah. Um, Dave Searle's asking, what areas does Danny believe Argyle needs strengthening during the January transfer window? And do you believe Argyle will stay up this season? Well, I'll, I'll repeat the second one first. I think we'll stay up this season, personally. Um, and I won't go into detail, but I just think we've, we've got enough uh, to stay up. Um, what, and I've, I've always been strong in the sense that I think we need an alternative centre-forward. I think um, a, a, an Alex Fletcher type player, maybe with more experience, or Alex Fletcher, mobile, can play down the channels, can cause centre-halves, big centre-halves at that level of football, a little bit more problems in behind, in and around the box. Um, I always felt that playing the one up front is, is good the way we play, as long as we get the three in behind him, pushing further up the pitch quicker to support. Maybe because Taylor's back in there, maybe that'll happen uh, now because he holds the ball up a little bit better. Um, and I think that, again, I said, a Graham Carey, when Graham's not firing on all cylinders, we struggle to create. And I think that it's a difficult position to, to fill because it costs money. And there's not that many people that are creative. Um, unless we can utilise our wide players that have got pace further forward to create, we need somebody in that area there. Because we've got enough defensive midfield players. We've got people that can play in and around that. But we just haven't got that. If, if Graham's not firing on all cylinders, he's not performing, we haven't got anybody that can do what he can do. So they're the two areas that I would probably look at. Yeah, um, so it's going to be difficult, isn't it, though, for Derek Adams yes. to find players that are in Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's going to be difficult. We January, might have enough. January's not a great time no. to try and be, be building no. your squad, is it? No. Because, uh, you people know, people will look at Argyle's league position and they'll not be keen. And they'll, they'll, if they want to, even if they consider it, they might want more money than you you think they're worth and, and things like that. I mean, you look at the squad, I mean, you look at the, the Argyle team that played against Newquay in the Southwest Peninsula League on Saturday. And that included Ruben Lemires, Nadia Shifty, and... Um, Jakob Sokolic. Now, to me, those three look like they could be moving on in January, I think, all three. So, if those three move out, you might like to bring in another centre-back, say, to do your left-sided centre-back instead of Sokolic. Certainly, with Shifty going back to Celtic by the looks Although of it. Although, Jan Songo can you know, play centre-back. Yes, he can do. But, you know, you've got Songo and Edwards for the right side of centre-back, mm -hmm. and then Bradley and, you know, possibly oh, yeah, one other there. Uh, if Shifty goes, that, uh, that releases that space up front in the squad that... I would agree with Danny, you know, a, a, a plan B type striker yeah. to give you a bit of variation. You know, there's no reason why they can't play off Ryan Taylor or something mm. like that. Um, Danny mentioned about a Graham Carey type. Ruben Lemires, I think we all hoped would, would be that. It didn't work out. Um, but it hasn't worked out. Um, you know, Derek Adams has already let him play on trial for Oldham and, you know, you could see him possibly moving on. So, you know, if you think of those, maybe those three players that I've mentioned going out, there's places in the squad. And there's a little bit of money to, to, to get one player. If you can get film. one bit of quality yeah. 
if you get rid of three and bring in one, you might have to pay a little bit more for him. Mm. But I think that we need we need that something in there just to get from the new year all the way through to and the, the, and the goalkeeper situation, of course, as well. You know, needs to yeah. be resolved. Um, well, they all might get fit all at once, and then we won't have any issues yeah, I mean, at all. It, it doesn't so. sound like any are going to be back desperately soon. I mean, I, I'd be very surprised if Argyle aren't doing everything they can to get Remy Matthews back. But the problem they're going to have is that there's going to be other clubs that are interested in him yeah. now. The, the thing in Argyle's favour is that Remy Matthews knows the players down here, knows the setup down here, knows that he's rated down here. Um, and even little things like he, he's tweeted quite a lot about Argyle, hasn't he? And since, yeah. he, since he left, so I, I, I think Argyle will try and get him back, and then that that would be a good a good bit of business to get him, you know, for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, Alex Fletcher a minute ago, Danny. Michael W is asking: Should Argyle look to loan Alex Fletcher out or utilise him for themselves? Well. If we can, if if he doesn't feel he's ready uh, to play in that slot alongside Ryan Taylor or as an alternative, then yes, let him go. He was on. The, remember, he was a sub on Saturday. Yeah. He was on the bench and he came on in the closing yeah, stages. But I, so, I, yeah. I think mm. if it was me, mm. I'd keep him. Mm. I'd keep him. Yeah. I wouldn't let him go out because I don't think it's necessary to let him go out right now. He's a player that I feel could do something different, and you know that we need. And if we don't get somebody like him, because obviously you know they're, they're few and far between those sort of calibre of players, then he will be an alternative. And he's played in a first team. I feel he feels comfortable with the squad. So um, I wouldn't let him go personally. I would keep him around and utilise him if need be. And then if Argyle did bring someone of that nature in, perhaps they well, well. Yeah, he then. could do. I mean, he could do. But is it important for him? I think if he's happy being around the players and training with the players, you know, yeah, it, it might. But I think it does. As long as we can get him back quick if we need to. But I, I like I like sometimes players that are in and around the first team to be in and around the first team. You know, I, just, I, I know getting experience and mm. getting matches is great, mm. and I get that. Mm. But there are times when I think that players want to feel part of something. Um, and you, there's that fine line whether a player wants to go and play every week or whether he's happy learning and progressing at the club that he's at, especially if he's going to be utilised. I, I, I agree with Danny. I think Alex Fletch has shown enough. Yeah. That he he he's merits inclusion in the squad. I'm not sure about starting games, no, not but but definitely as a sub to come on in games and things like that. Mm. So I, I wouldn't be looking to loan him out. No. no. Yeah, we've touched on the subject before with our goal playing with the one up front. He doesn't really suit that style, does he? No, so, no. no. But but you, it'd be nice to have alternatives uh, and options yeah, and yeah. things like that. I mean, that. And, and occasionally you can play him up front with um, Ryan Taylor. Yeah. There's no there's no reason why we can't go three five two at times. Mm and play them two together yeah. and get some width and get him in and around the box. Indeed. Right, Danny, well, thank you very much for coming in and joining us today. That's uh, all thank we've got time for. Uh, and thank you too out there for listening and tuning in. We'll be back again next week with more of the same, so be sure to join us then. Thank you, bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.